Okay, good morning. Today's daf is daf Kuflamid Vov. Um, today's shir is Le'ilu Nishmas David Yitzchak Mordechai Ben Yosef. It's also Le'ilu Nishmas Ben Zion Ben Zev Avram Halevi. And also of um, my step-grandfather is uh, um, Ariel Leib Ben Shmuel HaKohen. May their memory be a blessing, and may this show be an aliyah So, today we're going to go from the fifth last line of Kuf Lamed Hay on Webe, 135b. Remember, um, we've been discussing that um, that a, a miller is Doiche Shabbos. Remember, we, there was a, a discussion, what's the source? The standard source is Rabbi Yochanan, who says the Pesach says, Bayom, the miller must be fallen by Yom Hashmini on the eighth day, that extra Bayom is telling us it must be done even on Shabbos. And then yesterday we learned that if it's a sofake, and we mentioned about four different sofakes, then it does not override Shabbos. If it's a sofake where the, the miller must be done on that day, for example, the child was born in Moshes, you're not sure whether he was born on Friday night, I Shabbos, and then the miller must be done the following Shabbos. Or if he was born Friday afternoon, and the miller must be done the next uh, Friday. Now, obviously, you can't do it next Friday because he might only be seven days old, and you also can't do it uh, next uh, Shabbos because he might uh, it might be the ninth day, and the ninth day miller doesn't push aside Shabbos. Okay, so that was the time. It could be in the child, um, according to the Rabbonin and Androgonos, etc. So now we can ask a question that is seemingly going to totally undermine every miller on Shabbos. Quite surprising. Um, just before we go into the question, or the, the discussion, just a little bit of background. So, in Halacha there's a concept of a nafel. We often translate a nafel as a miscarriage, but here what we're referring to when we say a nafel is a child that's born, but is not viable. He's born prematurely, he's born with certain uh, um, disfigurements or something like that, that he's definitely going to die. He's for many, um, for many halachos, he's actually considered a nafel. He's, he's already considered a mace. As we'll see, we'll work on defining it over the next uh, daf. But that's the primary halachos. Okay, in this nafel, he's born alive, but he's not viable. He's definitely going to die, and he's considered a mace. Now, the, one of the points is, how do you know when it changes, this young newborn baby, how do you know when he changes from being a Nafel, or a Sophic Nafel, you're not sure whether he'll survive or whether he'll die, you're not sure whether he's viable or not, to being considered a fully viable young kid, a young child. At some point you have to say, Chas Shalom, he dies at six months. You can't say, well, he was a Nafel. But maybe if he dies at three days, then okay, he was a Nafel. So how do you, what do you say? So, Tanya, Rabbi Shimon Gamil, Oimer, Rabbi Shimon Gamil says, Kol Nafel. Any human child who survives 30 days is not a Nafel. Shenemar, as the Pasuk says, mi ben You do pigeon haben from when he's 30 days old. And the Gemara, and I guess the assumption is that you do um, pigeon haben only after you're certain that he's viable. 
And an animal that survives eight, eight days ain't on Nafel is not considered, is definitely not a Nafel. Shinemar as the post From the eighth day onwards, it is fit to be a Korban. Again, the Torah can, um, the, the halachas of a Korban must be on when you're certain that it's now viable and therefore you can use it as a Korban. But again, it's from the eighth day. Well, this is the tiyuk, but then, but the question, I'll, I'll read the question and then we'll go back and just discuss the interesting point. However, if, he, if you have not waited 30 days with this child, it's a sofeg. It might be a viable child, it might be a nafel, you don't know. So, how can you ever do any mila on a Shabbos? Again, according to Rabban Gamliel, a child until he's 30 days old is considered a Sofeg Nafel, you don't know whether it's a viable child or not. So how can you ever come along and do a bris miller on Shabbos as we've learned in yesterday's daf? If it's a Sofeg, where you should be doing a miller, you're not allowed to. Okay, let's go on. I'll come to the point I wanted to discuss a bit earlier, a bit later. Omar Rav Arabarava, Rav Arabarava says, Malin Oisome Manafshach. So now, other way you can do the miller. Im Chaihu, if he's alive, he's, he's considered alive, then... It's a good Shabbat Komohil. You've done a good miller which overrides Shabbos. Ve'im lav, if he's not a lav, if he is a nafel, mechateich bebosorhu. Then you're just someone who has been cutting flesh. I, if the child, okay, you have this child who's eight days old, you don't know that he's a nafel or that he's, whether he's a nafel or a chai, a non-viable child or a viable child. So how could you do Mila? No, Mimana Shach, we can do Mila. If he's a Chai, he's a viable child who's a Laval, then he's Mila over Rav Shabbos. If he's a Mace, then you've just been Mechatech Babas, or cutting flesh, and there's no Isser on Shabbos with cutting flesh. Um, um, uh, of of a, de- a dead flesh. Um, don't want to sound crude, but everyone cuts their steak on Friday night. Nothing wrong with cutting me. Now, there's a very interesting discussion on this. That basically, there are four approaches to this either way. I, if he's alive, it's a good miller, which is allowed. And if he's a nafil, I let's say for all intents and purposes, he's dead, then it's machatev babosor. So the first and the easiest way, and this is how Rashi learns here, is that what's the, and it's all tied into what's the issue of doing mila on Shabbos? Why are you not allowed to do mila on Shabbos that we actually need a special possible to tell us that you can? Or that if it's a sofake, you would not be allowed, it would not overrun Shabbos. So what's the, what's the source? So Rashi learns that the issue is choivel, injuring. What's, which of the 39 malachas is choivel? So Rashi learns, it is shoichet, a shchita. Now shchita, so therefore he says as follows. It's the Yisra of shchita. But shchita for mila choivel overrides Shabbos. If the child is a nafel, well, you, there's no such thing as shechting, a, the, the, shechting something that is dead. So there would not be no Yisra of thing. That's why mimanafshach, you can do mila on an eight-day-old baby. Um... That's the first way. The second way um, is the Rach on our page. He says the Isra of Mila is Metakein. I'm assuming that means Makeba Patish. Now, doing, doing a bris Mila on a live child is Metakein. You're doing the mitzvah that needs to be done. That's Metakein. That's improving the child. But Mila on a, on a nafel, on a dead child, is not Metakein. 
So Mimana Shach, you haven't done an Isra again. You've got this child who's eight day old, you're not sure whether he's a high or an Aethel. So we said Mimana Shach, you can do the mill on the eight day on Shabbos. It's eight days Shabbos, right? If he's alive, well, then it's a good mila. It's matakein. Oh, isn't that Isra Torah? I said, no, mila over on Shabbos. Oh, but what happens if he's a nafil and you weren't supposed to do the mila? Well, it's not matakein anymore if the child is dead. So that's the second one. A third approach is the Rambam. Now, the Rambam also learns that choivel, this is, this is where it starts to get a little bit intricate, but I thought it was quite interesting um, so we'll so we'll go through it anyway. Um, but the Rambam holds also holds that the Isur of Mila is Chayvel. But he, unlike remember Rashi learned what's Chayvel a tolder of, what subcategory is it of, of Shrita. The Rambam learns Chayvel is a tolder of Mephorek. Remember Mephorek is Dash, getting um, generally we translate it as getting the food out of the chaff. That's threshing, threshing, or getting um, olive oil out of an olive. That's mefarik. Um, we learned yesterday, we mentioned that uh, milking a cow or a woman expressing milk, that's mefarik. It's getting the food out of the... separating what you want from the chaff. Now, so then, but now we have to understand, so fine. So doing mila would be an issue of mefarik, getting the blood out a wound, sorry, wounding something is mafarik getting the blood out. Now, doing a miller is fine because it overrides Shabbos. But mafarik doesn't make a difference whether it's alive or inanimate. You can do, uh, inanimate wrong word, but there's mafarik on grain. There's mafarik on olives. So if you cut off the foreskin of this, of this nafil, of this non-viable child, that should also be... The Isudoraisa. Whether he's viable or not, it should be the Isudoraisa. So what does the Gomorrah mean? According to Rambam, what does the Gomorrah mean when it says, Mimanav Shach, um, either way it's okay, and if it's a lav, okay, it's a miller. If he's a nafil, it's machatech babosuru. What is the machatech? It's cutting meat. It's still an Isur of Mephorek, which applies issue, which wouldn't that apply even if the child is dead? So the answer given it's based on a prima godin, based on a tosa. Says generally, if you do a malacha for a different reason to the base, to what was why it was done in the mishkan, we generally say that's a malacha she'ena trichel gufa, a malacha that is um, not needed for itself, not needed for the same reason. There's a tosa earlier which mentions that's by both malachas, but there are a few exceptions that if you do the malacha with a different intent. It's not a malacha shayin it's nothing. I, the intent, the reason you're doing the action is so tied into the action, that if you do it with a different intent, then you haven't done the malacha at all. Um, yeah, so maybe, and this is actually quite much more from the Rambam, that's mephorek. If your intent is to get the blood out of the wound, then you've done mephorek. As soon as you don't have that intent anymore, it's not that you've done a malacha shayn shirtha it's that you've done nothing. And a mill on a nafil, you have no intent to get the blood out. So therefore, I'm thinking maybe even a miller at all, but then I don't know why you need the mimanafshach. Then, it, um, yeah, I don't want to, yeah, I'm not so clear on this, but that would be a nafil, um, so a mill on a nafil would not even be an isudra bonon on malacha shayn Yes, Basil.
other illegal given because they on a knifel it would apply because even a knifel has to have a bit but not 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 for the same reason so it is a matter of partition on the knifel um you can't say that it's it, it, uh, uh, it's not marking the party because it is for the knifehold but it's not a proper bit therefore you shouldn't buy Bladur on Shabbos no but Mark firstly firstly I'm not sure where we get that from I'm not sure where we get from that and that you even do a bris meal on a knifehold we do try I think I think the halach I think we do do we do yeah. give a bris miller to a miscarriage and I think it's about to reach a certain stage of development whatever but I'm not sure where that comes from but anyway that would not be a significant takana tikkun that's what I would say that's like if you have a perfect perfect bowl and you decide to or I don't know uh, Dent in one of the things. Yeah, or you have a perfect bowl and you want to add a touch of polish. You know, something like that that's not really significant. I don't know if that would be Makeba Patish or Matakem. Yeah, so that's what... Firstly, firstly, I think you can say that I don't know where that... I don't know the reason we do that and might not ever be Matakem. But whatever reason we do give a Brismilla to a navel for, I'm not even sure if that's significant enough to say it's... Uh, It's make, but yeah, um, yeah. I don't know if that reason is enough to make a matake. Let me phrase it like that. Okay, a fourth. So we've had interesting. We've had three reasons so far of what the issue of doing mila is. We should have probably discussed this at the beginning of the parak. The first one is Rashi that it's a chovel a told of shchita. The third one we mentioned was it's the Rambam who says it's chovel, but which is a told of mafarek. The second one we mentioned was it's matake, and now just a fourth one is tos, um the Shuta Mukubetze says that it is um, goizes, shearing. The Isra of Mila is the same as the Isra of shearing. Cutting of hair and nails, etc. Or shearing an animal. So, oh, so wait, so it's fine. So doing Mila would be shearing, goizes, which would be an Isra Doraisa, except the Torah tells us that Mila overrides it. So then why on a deceased child is it all of a sudden? You're not allowed to shear the wool of a of a dead sheep. So you shouldn't be allowed to cut the foreskin of this child. And that's what, so that's the question. So how, how do you understand this? It's fine to do Milan and theoretically it's fine to do Milan and Eiffel because it's Mechate Babasaru. You're just cutting flesh. That should still be also. So the, the, the explanation given for that is, no, you have to distinguish. Remember, Goizes is only on something that you want cut off. That is meant to be cut off. For example, hair and nails. If a person cuts off a piece of skin, we don't say that they did giza, that they were shearing. Shearing is only something that's meant to be cut off. So as long as the child is alive and there's a mitzvah of miller, the orla is meant to be cut off. And therefore, it's, uh, it's the Isra of Goizes. Once the child is dead, there's no mitzvah of miller. If the child is a nafil, there's no mitzvah of miller. And therefore, cutting the foreskin off would be similar to just cutting off skin. It's not shearing because there's, it's not omed little. It's not meant to be cut off. So that would be the fourth possibility. Again, you'll have to come on to this. Oh, but isn't there that practice that we have that, uh, that we do a miller on a nafil? So again, I think you'd have to say, personally, I'm not sure what the reason we do that is. 
But even if there is a reason, maybe I'll pick Kabbalah, I'll pick Hashkofa, uh, whatever, it's not enough to make it considered meant to happen, meant to be like that. So interesting enough, in this last one, the mitzvah of Mila makes the orla, little meant to be cut off, and therefore it would be the same as cutting off nails or hair. Okay, so those are four reasons why bris mil is also on Shabbos and how you'd have to understand this Gemara based on that. The Gemara asks, um, on Rabbi, so, so basically what Shemuel Mugamil has come along and said is that a person under 30 days is a sophic, but you can do the miller anyway. It's a sophic whether it's he's a chayr or nafel, but you can do the miller anyway because he might... Um, as we've just explained. So the Gemara asks him that he says, What about the price that we learned yesterday? Sofek ben Zayin, Sofek ben Ches, and Machalim all of Esa Shabbos. Anai nihimle mimanashach, Ibchayu Shapri Komohil, Imlam, Machatek Babasaru. Yesterday we learned if a child is born, and you're not sure whether he's born in the seventh month or the eighth month of pregnancy. Now remember, if he's born in the seventh month, it's a good pregnancy. If he's born in the eighth month, we said he's. Ke'evan, he's as good as considered dead. He's a nafil. He's born prematurely in the eighth month. So we said if he's not sure whether he's born, you're not allowed to machalal Shabbos for him. But again, as we just said, it should be the same as a cha- any miller. You're not sure if he's a nafil or a mace. So I'm a ma'abred ravina. Anavaramna chumei bar zechariya targami. So ma'abred ravina says me and the chuma. And Nuhume Bazakari explained it as follows Mimal Hachanami Mamalinalay. No, you do Mila on this child. So again, a child's born, you're not sure whether it was a seven month pregnancy or an eight month pregnancy. You do Mila. It says, Oh, but the Bryce said you don't Machalal Shabbos. So how can we come along and say you do? It says, That's all for the preparations of Mila and according to Rabbi Eliezer. I.e., um, the actual miller you can perform because it's either a good miller or it's machatech or mimarashach. It's a good miller or, or it's machatech paposa where there's nothing wrong with doing it. However, this, that, Habraisa was in regards to Rabbi Eliezer who held that machshire mitzvah, carrying the naf in the Rishus Haramim to do the miller, making a naf. Remember, he held you even allowed to make the naf. You're allowed to make the fire to make the naf, etc. So that, that's what Rabbi that's what you're not allowed to do on Shabbos because there's no mimanashach. If it's a chai, okay, good, Rebbe Lezer would agree you're allowed to. If it's a mace, you're not. Now Rashi here mentions a very important point that we actually need for a lot of today's um, Amud. And that is, so fine, so Rebbe Lezer at the beginning of the parak says that you can do even the Mashire Miller. But we've basically explained that every child is a Sofek chai, Sofek Neifel. He might, he's had, he had, only once he survived, the contrary of Gamliel, only once he survived 30 days, is he vada high. Up until then, he's a nafil. So how can you ever do machshire mila? So Rashi explains the case could be where a man had tashmish with his wife, and he knows he hasn't had tashmish, that they haven't had tashmish for nine months. So therefore, you're certain that this child is a full-term pregnancy, and if it's a full-term pregnancy, again, you have to be 100% certain that it's full-term pregnancy. And if it's a full-term pregnancy, then you assume the child is a chai. And this, that Rabbi Shimon Gamil says, he has to survive 30 days before you can be certain that he's a chai and not a nafil, is only where he's survived. Um, it's only where you're not sure if he's a full-term pregnancy. If it is a full-term pregnancy, 
then you can be considered him a chai from day one. Okay, then the Gemara asks, he says, Amar Abaya, Ketnai. Abaya says, this is actually a machloke tenai. I, whether a nafil is considered a mace. And this, that this child is alive, but he's not viable, so we treat him as a mace regarding this halacha. It's actually a machloke tenai. Remember, we said it applies by both people under 30 days and animals under 8 days. So it says, yeah, just before we go on, what's the difference between a nevela and a trefa? Do you remember we've discussed this quite a few times? A nevela, both are kosher animals. A nevela is a kosher animal that dies without shkita. And a trefa is a kosher animal that is killed with shkita, with a good shkita. However, he has one of those injuries that make him a trefa that he's going to die from. So, in many halachas, as we'll see, a trefa is also kind of considered a dead animal because it will die from its injuries. But what's the difference between an avail and a trefa? Both are not kosher. So the difference is an avail transmits tumor, and a trefa, since he was shechta, does not transmit tumor. But again, both are also to eat. So it says, The Pesach says, If one of your animals die, which were kosher, etc., that's to include an eight-day-old uh, a bench miner, an under eight day old um, animal that shechita does not metaros, it does not make it kosher. Even if you shechita a three day old or a seven day old um, calf, a sheep or something, it's not kosher. Well, this actually might be an eight day, eight month pregnancy of, but then it would be a calf. Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Lezeb, Rabbi Shimon, they say They say no, the shechita does purify. My and they must be arguing in the following: the Marsovar Chayu Marsovar says it is alive, and therefore the shechita makes it kosher. and the other one says it's considered a mace, and therefore, and the other opinion holds it's a mace, and that's why the shechita does not help it. Again, we said that if you shech this bench mona, this eight month. Calf. Now it's theoretically it's a nafil, it's definitely gonna die. Why would the shita help? So the one holds you shechting a dead animal already, so no, it's an avela. And the other opinion holds no, you're shechting a an animal, and therefore it's a good must be. They argue on Rabban Gamliel, who said that it has to be viable before it's a good shita. So the Gemara answers, no, Amarava, Well, then why are they arguing regarding whether it purifies it or not? They can argue much, uh, much more straightforward. Are you actually allowed to eat it or not? It must be that everyone holds it's considered a mace. This animal that is born after eight months is definitely a mace and you're definitely not allowed to eat it. The Rebbe Yosi, Rebbe Yehuda, Rebbe Lazar, Rebbe Shimon, Sovri, and Rebbe Yosi, Rebbe Yehuda, and Rebbe, yeah, these are, these, they, these to hold Ketrefa. It's actually a Trefa. Trefa, love, Afal, Gab, Demesu, Shritos, and Metaraso. Trefa, even though the animal's as good as dead, remember, Trefa has these injuries that are fatal and it's going to die, so it's as good as dead, it's still, the Shrita purifies it. So too with this animal that is a mace, it is born too premature to be considered alive, the sh- still the shechita purifies it from being tomei, just like a trefa. And the rabbi says not similar to a trefa. A trefa has a time when it's kosher. Remember, trefa, it's born as a good animal. 
So it starts off kosher. And therefore there is the concept of shechita bite. So when it later on in its life becomes a trefer, and then you shecht it, okay, the shechita works to make it not transmit tumor. But you can't compare that to our case. Because our case, from the moment it's born, it's a nafil, it's going to die. But no, but there's such a thing as a trefemibetem. If the animal's born with one of these disfigurements or wounds that make it a trefa, then from the womb it's already considered a trefa. So it's not a, it didn't ever have a time it was kosher. It's not hasam yeshvam in a shrita. There, there's a type of animal that has a shrita. Are there many animals that are born that in the same scenario, after nine months, and they're kosher. So the mina is a shkita. Hacha ein mina shkita. But there's no animal born in the eighth month that is ever kosher, that's ever get, that shkita will ever help. And therefore you can't compare it. So, in other words, we don't have a proof that there's anyone who argues on this concept that a nafil, again, a nafil is an animal or a person that seems to be born alive, but they're not viable, they're going to die anyway. We consider it a mace for all for these halachas that we've been discussing. Then the Gemara asks, "Me pligi rabbanon oleh the Rebbeinu Gamliel oilah ve'intim salam pligi halacha kamoisa and halacha kamoisa." Do the rabbanon argue on Rebbeinu Gamliel? And if you say that they do argue, is the halacha like Rebbeinu Gamliel or is the halacha like the rabbanon? I we started off today's stuff with Rabbi Shimon Gamliel telling us that a child born under 30 days is a sophic nafil. And an animal, sorry, not born under. If he's a child that's born and within the first 30 days he's considered a nafil, a sophic nafil. And according to, and by an animal within the first eight days of being born, he's considered a nafil. Do the rabbis argue on that and say we consider it alive from the moment it's born? Why would you consider it alive from the moment it's born? And this is actually a question that we should have asked on Rabbi Shimon Gamliel at the beginning. We have a principle called Rav. You go after the majority. A majority of children that are born survive. And therefore, Granted, so yeah, so therefore the Rabbonin might hold that as soon as a child is born, you consider it alive. And you don't have to worry, you go after Rav, and you don't have to be concerned that it's a nafil and it's considered dead. Rabbi Shimon Gamil will come along and say something along the lines of, well, it's, uh, there's a Mirta Matsui, like one toaster says, there's a significant number of children that die, so therefore you can't ignore the mute. The minority. However, exactly, you learn Rishim Gamliel, but that's the two versions. Rishim Gamliel says you can't rely on this Rav for whatever reason, and the Rabbonin maybe say that you can rely on the Rav, and therefore it's from day one the child is considered alive and viable. Rishim Gamliel says no, it's a Sophic, whether it's alive or not, whether you consider it viable or not. So that's the question is, do the Rabbonin argue on him? And if they do argue, who's the Halacha like? It says Toshma, Egel Shenoilad. Yomtov shows the Yomtov. An eagle that dies on Yomtov, you can shecht it on Yomtov. Now, it must be that the Rabbonin argue on. Remember, you are allowed to shecht an animal on Yomtov because you're allowed to do preparations for. You're allowed to prepare food for you to eat on Yomtov. And freshly shechted meat is much nicer than, especially when before for refrigeration, than uh, meat shechted yesterday or a few days ago. So you're allowed to shecht an animal on Yomtov. But if the animal was only born on Yom Tov, 
According to Rabbi Shimon ben Gamliel, it should be, according to Rabbi Shimon ben Gamliel, it's muktzah because you're not allowed to eat it until it's eight days old and you can be confident that it's alive. So the Gomorrah comes along and he says, so how can you come along and say that you can check it on Yom Tov? Must be it's the Rabbon and you are on Rabbi Shimon ben Gamliel. So the Gomorrah says, no, says, no, there's a case where you can be confident that it was a full-term animal. Uh, it was born full term. Remember we said even according to Rabbi Shimon and Gamil, when the person or the animal is born full term, it's considered a love. We don't, it's not a sophic nafil anymore. This that you need 30 days is only if you're not sure whether the person was born prematurely or not, or whether the animal was born prematurely or not. So as long as you can be confident that the animal is full term, then it's fine. Then you wouldn't have to wait eight days and it would not be mukza. Toshma, come and hear another proof. Now this is regarding a Bukhar. So remember, just a brief overview of the halachas of Bukhar. Remember, uh, firstborn kosher animals and donkeys, but go to, uh, well, firstborn, let's discuss firstborn kosher animals. They go to the Kohen, who offers it as a korban. Okay, so that he would definitely not be allowed to do on Yom Tov. You can't do voluntary offerings on Yom Tov. Um, if it has a mum, if it has a mum, then it goes to... Say one second. If it has a mum, then it goes to the then it goes to the coin as the coin's property. So theoretically, if he has a bechor with a mum, he can shecht it on yom tov. But now the difficulty there's a machloikes. What happens if it if it develops a mum? Then you need to get an ex, an expert to paskin that that mum is irrevocable. And that it now belongs to the Kohen, it's not going to heal, and then it will be a Korban. But it's a Machlokas whether you can do that on Yom Tov. But both agree, as we're going to see, Vishavim both agree, Shem Noilad Hu Mumma, that if the animal's born with its Mum, Shezem in that it's not Mukta, it's ready to be Shechter on Yom Tov. But again, we can ask our question how can it ever be ready to be Shechter? If it's born with its Mum, how can you say it's ever ready to be Shechter on Yom Tov? It's. Uh, it's uh, it's mukta. You have to wait till it's eight days old. So the Gemara says, "No, So to hear the cases where you know that it's months, it's full term, and therefore, as we said, if it's full term, you don't have to wait eight days. Okay, Toshma, another proof. He's like Rabbi Shimon Gamil. Ah, By the fact that Rabbi Yehuda had to tell us in the name of Shmuel that the halacha is like Rabbi Shimon Gamil, must be there's an opinion that argues. So there is an opinion that argues, but we also know the halacha is like Rabbi Shimon Gamil. Now we're going to bring a few incidences that highlight this. Yes. So let's say it was okay. Um, so maybe it was born on Erev Yom Tov. I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking that could be a simple answer. Maybe it's born on Erev Yom Tov, or maybe a fetus is considered distinct from its mother, and it's definitely going to happen anyway. Yeah, we learned earlier something that's natural, like water flowing. That's definitely going to happen. So maybe, uh, uh, but then we ask, what about a Beit Shenoldos? I'm not sure if this is, if this cow, this calf that's going to be born on Yom Tov, is it more similar to an egg that's born on Yom Tov or more similar to water 
of a river that's going to flow. But okay, that could be. But I think as long as it's born within three days, within eight days of Yom Tov, you have this question, is it mukt or not? Because if you hold like Rabbi Shimon Gamil, in general, Rabbi Shimon Gamil would say an animal born within eight days of Yom Tov is mukta. Because you don't know whether it's a nafel or chai. And remember, if you shecht it when you're not sure, then it's not kosher. Um, or, but we say no, even Rabbi Shimon Gamil could agree to this. It's just that it, you're certain that, it, uh, um, that it's a full term. The child was born full term. The, the, the calf, or whatever it was. Okay, there we are. Then Omar Abaya. Abaya qualifies us. He says, Not for If it falls from a roof or a lion eats it, everyone says you can assume it is chai. It is alive. When it is an external force that Chas Shalom killed the child or killed the animal, you don't have to say, well, it died within 30... Let's just discuss a child. You don't have to say, oh, it died within 30 days. You can, you can say, no, it was alive, and it's this external force that killed it. So again, Omar Abaya, if this young child fell and died, or a lion ate it, everyone would say you view it as alive. Okay, first question, but we'll see this in the Gomorrah shortly. What difference does it make? It's 15, uh, this, this very sadly, very tragically, this child died at 20 days. Was something killed this child at 20 days? What difference does it make whether you view it as it was viable until now or not? Okay, we'll see shortly in the Gemara. So, key pligi went to Rabban and Rimshim Gamil argue, Shepiak umais, it yawned and then died. Mar Savar Chaihu, Mar hold, it was alive. Umar Savo Mesu and Mar says no. But the fact that it yawned and died shows that it wasn't really alive ever, and therefore it's considered a mace. The mind nafkemina, what difference does it make? Liftor mina yibum. Does this child exempt the husband from yibum? I remember if a man dies with without children. His wife falls to Yibum and before she can remarry, she either will she either do Yibum or Chalitza. If he dies with children, well then his wife is free to remarry as a regular widow. What happens if he dies and he has this child who's under 30 days? So generally you wait 30 days if the child's still alive. Well then it means at the time of death, he had a child. If the child's a nafel, well then he never ever had a child. So if the child just dies after the very tragic whatever happened, the husband died, and then a few days and with, and with this young, young, weak old child, and then a week later, this child's only two weeks old, it dies. It's as if he never had a child. So therefore, the wife, the mother would fall to Yibum. Well, not the mother, but yeah, she would fall to Yibum. If, however, what happens if an external force killed this child? An animal mauled it to death. Well, then we say we consider it alive, and the husband and the wife would not fall to Yibum. It's only when it dies from something like a yawn does that highlight that it was weak and sickly and not viable ever, or was it alive? Rabbi Shimon Gamal says you have to wait till it's 30 days old to be certain, and any less than that we would make the mother do chalitza. And Rabbi Shimon Gamal, and uh, that, sorry, that's Rabbi Shimon Gamal, and the Rabbanu argue, say no. 
You go after Rav and assume that the child is viable, and at the time of the husband's death, he had a child, and therefore his wife never fell to Yibum. That's the that's the explanation of the that's the distinction. Um, yeah, there's an interesting mathlokes in the Rishonim. Yeah, what if it's what? How would you view sickness? Let's say the child was born. So again, it's a sophic nafel. Now we know if an external force chas v'shalom kills it, like a lion, or it falls, then it's considered. Then we say, okay, we assume it was alive. What happens if it uh, got some infection or some disease, some illness, and it died as a result of that? Do we say the illness is external and therefore we would say it was alive or do we say no the illness is uh, is uh, in, um, intrinsically part of it maybe it only captured this illness because it was not viable or something like that okay so that's something uh, that's uh, Mahlok is re-showing him and now, now the Gomorrah challenges if it fell from a roof or a lion ate it, everyone says it's considered alive. Rav Papa and Rav Huna went to the house of Rav Idi Bar Avin and he prepared for them this Igla Tilsa, very fancy calf meat, but it was only seven days old. For Omri and they said to it, "E Israelulei If you would have waited and prepared it to not have we would have eaten it. But now we would not. Now we can't eat it because it was seven days old. But shchita is an external factor that kills it. It's the same as a lion killing it. So he says, You have to learn that when it yawns and then dies, everyone says it's considered a mace. It was a non-viable child. The only issue is when it died um, after, um, as a, from an external first Force. Then do we say no? It clearly was alive, but this, it's this external force that killed it. Or do we say no? It still could have been a nafel. And as we said, the nafkamina would be for yibum or by an animal. The nafkamina would be um, can if someone actually did check the animal when it was only seven days old um, or less. Could you actually eat that animal? That would be a machloket Rabbi Shimon Gamliel and the Rabbonin, and we pass like Rabbi Shimon Gamliel, and you would not be allowed to eat that animal. So just to qualify, we've mentioned that a child that is born, first, if the child or the animal is born full term and you, have, and you can be certain that it's full term, I Rashi said at the top of the page, for example, a husband knows that he had Tashmish only um, nine, ten months ago and, definite, and he's abstained since then, therefore the child is definitely, you know, something like that where you can be certain, then obviously it's considered viable from the moment it's born. We still make a law plug and you wouldn't be allowed to shift. Uh, yeah, let's, so that would be the um, that would be the one aloch. If you're not sure whether it's viable or not, Rabbi Jim Gamil says it's a sophic nafel, and you have to treat it as such. And therefore, regarding a person, you would not um, regarding a person if this child dies within 30 days, or even if it's killed within 30 days, Rabbi Shimon Gamil would say that. 
the mother would have to do well chalitza because we're not sure whether the child was viable or not. So, and again, she can't do yibum because if the child was viable, well, then the husband died with children. So it would be, so it would be um, one of the arayas, her brother-in-law. Um, and if the child was not viable, well, then it would be fine. So we would tell her to do chalitza out of doubt. We'll see the relevance to that over, just over the page. And according to the Rabbana, no, you go after Rav. You can assume most children and most animals that are born survive. And therefore you can assume it's viable from moment one, from day one. Okay, carrying on, Braid Rav Dimi Bar, um, first wide line towards the bottom of Kuflamud Vovamud. Aleph still says, Brader Rav Dimi Bar Yosef is Yoli Leahu Yonuka. The son of Rav Dimi Bar Yosef had a son, Begab Tlilsin Yomim Shochi, very tragically within 30 days, excuse me, within 30 days it died. Yosef Kamis Avalala and he was sitting and mourning it. So Amaleavuot, Samshino Kamaychale, Juantas to feed you. His father said to him, Juantas to feed you mourner's food. It's a sophake whether you should be mourning this child or not, and you don't sit Shiva misophake. And therefore, you shouldn't be mourning. Again, it's not a vadai that a child that dies within 30 days is a, naif, is a non-viable one that was always considered mace and never considered born alive. It's a sovereign. So, Amrle, Kimli, Beishe, He says, no, I'm certain I know that it was a full-term pregnancy. And that's why it definitely was alive and it died. And that's why I have to keep. Shiva. Rav Ashi Ikla Bay Rav Kahane Israel Bil Milsa Bagabli Sinyomim. Rav Ashi, when he was visiting Rav Kahana, a tragedy happened in Rav Kahana's house and this child died within thirty days. Khazia Dixi the Yossi will come his Avalale, Rav Ashi saw that he was mourning for it, sitting Shiva. So Omar Lay Lots of Olomar Lahat Omar of Yudomar Shmuel Halotha Kribishimun Gamil. Does Mar not hold that? The halach is like Rabbi Shimon Gamliel. And again, it's a sophic whether this child, it died within 30 days, so it's a sophic whether it was viable or not, and therefore out of sophic you don't have to sit shiba. So, if he says, no, I know that it was full term. It was said, what happens if the child died within 30 days, and then the wife went ahead and got married. So again, a man died with a very young child. And then a few days later, the child died. Now we're not sure was that child viable or not. Should, strictly speaking, the woman should do chalitza. But what happens if she went ahead and got married? Was she connected to her brother-in-law or not? So he says, Omar Rabbeinu Mishmei the Rav Rabbeinu said his name of Rav in Eishes Yisrael he, if she's the wife of Yisrael if her new husband is Yisrael Choyletzes we make her go back and do Chalitza in Eishes Koyen he ain't no if she's the wife of a Kohen we don't do Chalitza Now why is that? Because remember if, you, if someone does Chalitza they're not at least Rabbeinu they're not allowed to go and marry a Kohen so we worried, and that's why we don't. So, so Ravina says we go strict where possible and make her do chalitza. We treat the child as non-viable, but otherwise, like a case of where her new husband should never be able to get back with him because he's a kohen. So if she went and did chalitza to her brother, her to her ex-brother-in-law, then she wouldn't be able to marry this kohen, 
or yeah, stay with this kind. So therefore, we um, forbid. We forbid it. Rav Shav Yemish made the Rav Amar. Wait, wait, two or three months before she can get married. Well, first, no. So, so firstly, the question is. Oh, you're saying anyway she has to wait? Yes. Well, here, even if she waited, it wouldn't have helped us. Because she, so, so we can, I mean, we can construe, I'm not sure, yeah, that strictly speaking, she should wait three months, but we can still construe the timeline that it's problematic. Her child died shortly after, within 30, when the child died under 30 days old, shortly after her husband's death, she waited a few months and she went and married this other person without ever doing chalitza. So Ravina said in the name of Robert that you do Chalitza if it's Israel, but if it's a Kohen and it would and if we did Chalitza we would ruin the second marriage, we don't make her. Obviously we rely on Rav. Rav Sharbia says in the name of Rav, either way, you do Chalitza. She has to do Chalitza. The child might not have been viable, and therefore she was never allowed to remarry without doing Yibum or Chalitza, therefore she has to go do Chalitza. And Einachinami, if her second husband is a Kohen, she has to divorce him. So, says, you write in the evening, that is what Rava says, but in the morning he retracted. So, Amalei, if you permit such a case, you're going to come and permit Chaylev. It's definitely Osur. Um, it's definitely Osur. I know that might have been what Robert changed his mind, but it, it can't be. It can't be if you're coming, if you're touching on such subtle cases. Of when it's muta, when it's not, you're going to say, ah, in this case, we will allow her to remain married without chalitza. In that case, we will require chalitza, etc. You're going to come along and matur chalitza. Okay, then the last point of the Mishnah was Rabbi Yehuda matir, etc. Rabbi Yehuda says you do mila of an androgonos on Shabbos. You mechalal Shabbos for the mila of an androgonos. Remember, an androgonos is a child that has... Seems both simanim of a male and a female. Amar Rav Shizbi, Amar Rav Chizda, Rav Shizbi says in the name of Rav Chizda, Loyla kol Amar Rav Yudan, Drogonos Zoharu. Not for all halachas does Rabbi Yehuda consider an androgonos a male. Aye, regarding Miller, we consider him a male to the degree that we would do bris Miller on Shabbos, but not for other halachas. Where do we see another halacha? So he says, Sheimato Emer Kain, Be'erchin Yerech. If you do say Rabbi Yehuda considers him a Male, well then he should have a Erech. Remember, the Torah lists certain, it's what's called a Erech vow. An Erech is when a person commits to give their Erech or their friends or their families Erech to the base Amigdash. Now the Torah sets a specific value. A male from 30 days to 5 years old, from 5 years old to 20, from 20 to 60, etc. It sets a specific value for males and females. Right? So you can, and you can either say, I want to give my Erech, I want to give my wife's Erech, I'll give my child's Erech, you know, any, you can commit to give, and it's a donation to the temple, based on what the Chumash says, the value of that person in that age. So let's just say a person's committing to give their own Erech. So a male would give what their Erech is, etc. But uh, Androgonos does not give an Erech. It says, How do we know that a Androgonos does not have any Eric value. The Tanya, as we learned in the Brisa, Hazachor Velo Tumtum. A male and Velo Tumtum Androgonos. Not a Tumtum Androgonos. Yochel Yahi Be'erich Ish, Aval. Lo Yahi Be'erich Ish, Aval Yahi Be'erich Ish. Okay, fine. So maybe they don't have an Erech Ish, but they have an Erech Isha. 
Talmud Lomar, Hazachar, etc. And then the next pasuk, the Imne Kevahi. Zachar, Vare, the Kevahi, the Lord Tumtum, Vandragonos. So, um, you only, only the people who are either a definite male or a definite female have an Erech and not a Tumtum or an Andragonos. If it is a Tumtum or an Andragonos, they have no Erech value. So, if someone says, I want to give the Erech of that person, or, and that person happens to be a Tumtum or Andragonos, there's no Erech value for them. Because you have to be either a male or female. The Stam Sifra Rebbe Huda and an anonymous Sifra, which this Bryce is brought from, is Rebbe Huda. Sifra is a halachic midrash on uh, Vayikra. So, um, so what do we see? So Rebbe Huda, regarding, granted regarding Miller, Rebbe Huda says this Androgonos is a male and you can even do the Mila on Shabbos. Regarding Erchin, Rebbe Huda does not view it view an androgynous as a male. Omar Nachman says, I have another source that Rabbi Yehuda doesn't hold that androgynous to be a male for all halachas. says, I call Cherub Kadesh. Anyone is kosher not to get married, as we normally say, to prepare the Pora Aduma water, to sprinkle the ashes from the burned Pora Aduma onto the water. That's the Kadesh we're referring to. It says, except for a Rabbi Yehuda says it's kosher, a katan can do this, the Kadesh, the, the Pora Aduma water, the Mechatas, but he says a woman and Androgynos can't. Now again, if Rabbi Yehuda hold that an Androgynos was treated like a male, then he would hold that an Androgynos can lekadesh the mechatas. And here he holds that an Androgynos cannot. Shmamina, we see again that it's not for all halachas. Oh, mashnai mila. So why is mila different? This seems basically in all halachas we consider an Androgynos not a male. And in regards to Miller, we consider Androgynous and Rabbi Yehuda says he is a male. So why is there that difference? So Dersiv, as the Pasuk says, Mishum Dersiv, Himol Lochem Kol Zohar. Do Miller on Kol Zohar. What's the call coming to include every male? I even, a call, the, the extra call is coming to say even an Androgynous. Just one question, would you do, would you say a bracha on a miller of uh, Androgynous? Okay, no. We said you even a contributor, but I'm not sure about us, but a contributor, you even do a miller on Shabbos, but you definitely do a miller on an Androgynous. The question is whether you do it on Shabbos or not, but would you even, would you say a bracha on that? So that's a machloikas Rambam Raifert. It seems to depend on the general views of the uh, What's the rules and what's the exceptions of when you go ahead and say a bracha on a sophic or not? Okay, but we'll leave it there for today um, and we'll carry on with the new Mishnah tomorrow.